Y'all are, are all of these guys that are part of this weird recent charged wave of shitting on dads taking paternity leave, like are they okay? And like, hey, I understand that paid parental leave is a rather alien concept for the majority of Americans because we are the only country in the OECD that does not have a mandate for paid parental leave. Right, it's one of those things why people in other countries say America is a third world country with a Gucci belt. Right, so this recent and toxic generalized slamming of paternity leave is connected to this news around Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. And if you're not familiar, Buttigieg first went on paternity leave back in mid-August following the birth of his twins. Notably, he's doing this at the same time as the ongoing supply chain bottlenecks across the country. Which, regarding that, I'm way more open to the conversation of splitting the two, right? The, the Pete Buttigieg story, I think, could be considered an exceptional circumstance. You are the head of a part of the government that is dealing with a massive issue that's going to affect hundreds of millions of American lives. Right? Very different from Joe and Jane Blow, who just had a baby and has a regular-ass job. And for the sake of providing an example of someone speaking out against paternity leave, I'm gonna use Joe Rogan for two reasons. One, he is the biggest podcaster in the world with just an immense audience. And two, of the notable people with audiences speaking out against paternity leave right now, he's kind of the least dickish. Like I've literally seen some of these guys just blanket statements saying paternity leave is for pussies. Right, so it's gonna be far easier to work with the Rogan stuff than that. So yeah, recently Bridget Fetessy was on Joe Rogan. They're talking about Pete Buttigieg, that conversation eventually leading to paternity leave in general. People are blaming Pete Buttigieg because of the, the fact that why? he's on paternity leave. That was a weird one because I never know when those stories Stories, it's like, uh, is this just like a partisan thing where you just right. want to like yell at the guy because? But it is kind of crazy. <laughs> With that, we see Fetisy pushing back against that, referencing a family member. But it's like, here, but here's the thing: <laughs> one of you should do that. One of you should take care of the children. Like this idea that both parents should get maternity and paternity leave at the same time is a little weird. I don't think so. You don't, I don't think so? I don't. Only Why? because I have a German cousin and they get the shit. I mean, they get like a full year for the woman and okay. nine months for the husband. That's great. You want to live in Germany? Because in America, <laughs> you got to work. Like, here's the thing. If you have a small business, you're the one who loves small businesses, okay? Right? Yeah. You love, imagine. No, if you, you can't take paternity leave. Uh, imagine. <laughs> If you have an employee and this is your like your fucking CEO of your little company or whatever and they uh, they the wife has a baby and the husband's like I'm taking four months off you're like what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about with Rogan then going back to Buddha judge and saying he doesn't know if his absence actually has any relation to the supply chain issues but with that still saying and asking should fathers really get that paid time off since they didn't give birth once again I do think that there are two issues at hand here one you have the specific Buddha judge situation where he's defended his leave saying that the supply chain issues have no easy fix but that every American should be afforded the right to parental leave. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki also echoing that sentiment, saying that he is at work, noting that she had been on a conference call with him. But I, I think more importantly regarding paternity leave in general, personally, I'm completely for paid parental leave, including paternity leave. I think it's just a question of how much, like in California, for example, dads are entitled to 12 weeks of paternity leave, eight of those partially paid, the other four unpaid. And hey, like I'm not gonna outright attack people that are skeptical of the idea. I have to talk against the caveman part of my brain that's like, you man, you go out, you provide. But also there's different kind of providing, right? Being there for your small baby that I don't know if you've had a baby, that they are so much work. Give yourself time to bond with that baby, support your partner, make things easier. Well, obviously not universal. It's so odd to me that a lot of the people I've seen speaking out against this, they're the, the same kind of people that when they see like uh, gay people getting married or they talk about the gay agenda or really they see anything that goes against like the traditional family unit is evil. Oftentimes they're also anti-abortion. They're like, no paid parental leave. Once that baby baby's out. 
on your own. <laughs> Best way to keep that family unit together, isolate them from one another. Like y'all, how can we say that we're trying to be there for our kids when we villainize people trying to be there for their new kids? I live in a country where less than one in four men have access to paternity leave, where 100 million plus people do not have a single day of paid leave, where one in four American women go back to work within 10 days of giving birth. And I would love to be able to make a joke right here, tie a bow on this opening segment, get into that monkey intro, but it's not funny, it's just sad. Y'all, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. And hey, if you support paid paternity leave, hit that like button. And if you don't, uh, do nothing because I don't do well with criticism and or anything other than universal agreement and praise. I'm kidding, 10% of my life is people telling me to go fuck myself. And on that happy note, let's talk about some entertainment celebrity news. Though it does start off very depressingly. Starting with, we just got updates regarding the tragic death of Mac Miller. Miller died back in 2018 at the age of 26 as a result of an accidental overdose of fentanyl and cocaine. And the news now is that one of the three men charged in connection to his death just agreed to enter into a guilty plea deal. That man, Stephen Andrew Walter, will plead guilty to distribution of fentanyl, and in exchange, a second charge against Walter for conspiring to distribute controlled substances resulting in death will be dropped. That said, he still faces a maximum of 20 years in prison, though some reports say prosecutors are suggesting a 17-year sentence. And as far as the two other men, Cameron James Pettit and Ryan Michael Rivas, they've been charged over Miller's death, but have pleaded not guilty, and according to Pitchfork, a trial is set for March of 2022. And according to the agreement, Walter, knowing instructed Revis to distribute fentanyl that was presented as oxycodone to Pettit, who was Miller's dealer, with it adding that Mac Miller would not have died from an overdose but for the fentanyl contained in the pills. We also had Maroon 5 frontman Adam Levine in the news on the receiving end of a lot of backlash. And this because it was a TikTok that went viral showing a fan jumping on stage, touching, grabbing him, him having that reaction. With many fans saying, hey, he needs to humble himself. He wouldn't be where he is today. Why is he acting like, ew, the unwashed pores touched me? But personally, and understand I can't speak to who Adam Levine is as a person. I'm not sure how you or I would respond if while we were doing our job, someone just ran into our personal space and grabbed us. No matter if you are a fan or not, that does not give you consent. You have no right. And I also genuinely believe that the reaction to this would be far, far different if Adam Levine was a female artist. Or some guy jumps on stage, grabs Ariana Grande. How many of you are gonna go, wow, she needs to humble herself. And as far as Adam's take on this, he ended up responding on an Instagram story. Without our fans, we don't have a job. Um, I say that all the time to our fans. Um, to think that anyone would believe that that I thought that they were our fans were beneath us or 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 less less than us is makes my stomach turn. That's just not who I am. It's not who I've ever been. So I just need you guys to know I was really startled. And sometimes when you're startled, you huh, you have to like shake it off and move on because I'm doing my job up there. But from that, I want to take a quick second to thank the sponsor of today's show, Juneshine. Juneshine is a hard kombucha made with real organic ingredients with just two to three grams of sugar per can. Brewed with the finest tea, fruit, and spices in San Diego, Juneshine is the better for you alcohol that's refreshing, gluten-free, and easy on the digestive system thanks to the probiotics. Right, not a fan of weird wine hangovers? Swap out red wine for the midnight painkiller. Trying to keep your carbs low? Switch out that beer for Juneshine's Hopical Citrus. And I got to admit, I was skeptical at first. I was like, come Kombucha? Like, I'm not that guy. But I really do appreciate not feeling so full and lethargic after drinking a few and still feeling great the next morning. And best of all, Juneshine conveniently delivers nationwide straight to your doorstep so you can always have it in the fridge. And even for all you Juneshine lovers that are out there already, my code even works for you. Doesn't matter if you've purchased before. This is the first time ever and the deal will not last forever. So head on over to JuneshineDefranco.com and use code DeFranco to get 20% off. But like I said, even if you're not usually a kombucha drinker, I think Juneshine's worth a try. Then he 
in business, money, crypto. I'm not gonna touch it because I got those paper hands news. Let's talk about Shiba Inu. And if you're only vaguely familiar with crypto, you know things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Celo, etc. But there is an absolute slew of altcoins, many of them just belong in a dumpster, but every now and then a rocket shoots out of that dumpster, and so far, Shiba Inu is one of those things. With outlets reporting that as of today, the Shiba Inu coin for the year is up 60 million percent. It just sounds like a made up number. The snapshot as of recording just in the past day, it's up over 77%. The last week, 203%. The last month, 1100%. You know, much like we saw with Doge, it's made a lot of people crypto millionaires overnight. In fact, you had Morning Brew tweeting out, this wallet bought roughly $8,000 of SHIB last August. It's now worth $5.7 billion. From 8K to $5.7 billion in roughly 400 days. We may actually be looking at the greatest individual trade of all time. While I, like I said, will personally not be touching this, it's really cool to see. I mean, it won't be cool to see if and when it implodes, but very cool now. And hey, whether it be because you want to get in on Shiba Inu, which once again, this is not advice. You do what you want to do, or you want to learn more about crypto. You want to look at and learn about the stock market, maybe get involved. I highly recommend you go to public.com slash DeFranco. It's a great way to learn about and jump into these spaces, especially at a time where I know that a lot of people that are trying to get in on stuff today can't because other services have gone down. Plus, when you sign up, you open an account for free, you get a free stock. So yeah, let my partnership with them work for you. And then, yo, let's talk about the billionaire tax. So this morning, after a lot of waiting, a lot of buildup, Democratic Senator Ron Wyden unveiled this long-awaited proposal, with it being one of the most unique tax plans in the world because it's literally just aimed at the 700 richest people in the country. We're talking Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, and that's because this would only apply to people making over $100 million in annual income or those holding at least $1 billion in assets for three years. And that last part right about the assets is the most notable and controversial. It's very easy for the incredibly wealthy to avoid the income tax. I mean, Jeff Bezos, for example. How much do you think he made last year? $100 million, $10 million, a million dollars, none of the above. His yearly salary from Amazon was $82,000. He's just like you, but not really. His wealth is connected to stock specific. Amazon stock, which right now he has around $200 billion worth. And while these billionaires would be subject to a nearly 24% tax when they take money out of the stock market or other assets, there are a whole slew of loopholes that allow them to avoid that 24% capital gains tax and essentially live income tax-free. And so with this proposal, for the first time ever, they would be held liable for gains of their other assets, right? Their stock growth. But before Senate Democrats can make this bill a law, there are massive hurdles to overcome. The first of which is, is this even legal? Right? Even some House Democrats who support increasing taxes on the country's richest have have expressed skepticism, arguing that establishing a new tax code for such a small group of people would be a difficult policy to craft, let alone enforce. The law would also face major legal challenges and courts would eventually have to decide whether unrealized gains could be counted as income. And I mean, if the taxes on unrealized gains ever affected the everyday person, I mean, <laughs> Everyone who voted and made this possible would probably be voted out of office. But let's say this bill does eventually become a law, despite all the skepticism, despite people going, is it even legal? Well, many have noted and argued that even then, billionaires are very likely just gonna find another loophole to avoid paying taxes. For example, you have Senator Mitt Romney arguing on Fox News that it could push innovation overseas, also adding, These multi-billionaires are gonna look and say, I don't want to invest in the stock market because as that goes up, I'm gonna get taxed. So maybe I will instead invest in a ranch or in paintings or 
things that don't build jobs and create a stronger economy. Elon Musk also pushing back against the bill saying eventually they run out of other people's money and then they come for you. With others pushing back saying, no, they've been coming for our money. Now they're just trying to also come for yours. Though on the other side of this argument and starting with specifically on the other side of this Elon Musk situation, you have people saying there are very few things that are more different than how much money Elon Musk makes and how much money you make. Noting that Elon Musk made $36 billion on Monday alone. But also if I was Elon Musk, I wouldn't be a fan of this. It's estimated that Musk would actually have to pay $50 billion of his $280 billion fortune within the first five years of the plan, with Bezos estimated to have to pay $44 billion over that same time period. And as far as what this money would do from all these billionaires, you have Senate Democrats hoping to potentially use that money for Biden's $1.5 trillion Build Back Better plan. But ultimately, with, with the makeup of Congress we have right now, I think, you know, this is all kind of hypothetical. I, there's no way I see this going through. In a 50-50 split Senate, where Joe Manchin is a person that exists, there, there's no way this goes through. Even today, you had Manchin saying he's not a fan of the billionaire's tax, instead saying he'd rather a minimum 15% patriotic tax, and adding there's a patriotic duty that you should be paying something to this great country. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe Manchin uncharacteristically flips on something. Maybe they tweak this thing to a point where everyone can get on board. I don't personally see how that's gonna happen, but I'm just one idiot, and so uh, I'll pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts regarding this idea of a billionaire's tax? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Are you somewhere in between? Are you kind of worried about the, the slippery slope aspect of it? Any and all thoughts you have on this, I'd love to hear from you in those comments down below. Then we should definitely talk about COVID vaccine and treatment news, starting with the fact that the FDA's advisory panel has now issued a recommendation to allow the Pfizer vaccine to be given to kids between the ages of five and 11. But Greg, put the keys down. That doesn't mean you can go out and get the shot right now. It still needs to be approved by the FDA itself, though that does seem very likely at this point. From there, a CDC advisory panel would make recommendations recommendations and offer guidelines on the vaccine's use in the age group possibly as early as next week. Also, speaking of the CDC, we're seeing the news that some immunocompromised people are now eligible for a fourth COVID shot. The CDC is saying that people who are over 18 who are, quote, moderately to severely immunocompromised can get this fourth shot six months after their third, with it being considered a booster that will be only half a dose. And then finally, you have Merck saying that it now plans to share the formula for its COVID pill with 105 countries. With many hailing this decision, saying things like, this is the first transparent public health license for COVID medicine. And really importantly, it's for something that could be used outside of hospitals and which is potentially going to be very cheap. But ultimately that is where this story and today's show ends. Now, of course, whether it be this last story, the first one, anything in between, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. But as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.